there is a fear most of the time of leaving relationships because usually at that point when you want to leave a relationship it's because you don't feel good about yourself so your ego and your self-esteem isn't high Hi, everybody. I'm Katina McHenry. Welcome to another episode of Fuck Fear. Thank you so much for staying with us and being with us this season. It has been a wonderful, explosive season, having these fantastic conversations about fear and not just having the conversation, but learning how to get over our fears. Today, we are talking about fear of leaving the relationship. And that has to do with uh, relationships that you're in with a significant other or even at work or friend relationships. Joining me today, which I'm so excited about, is Bonnie Winston. She is a relationship expert and she's also a matchmaker. She's a modern day matchmaker who's making all kinds of connections with celebrities, people all over the world and helping people find love, but also helping people learn how to have healthy relationships. She has been featured nationally. She's been quoted in Hollywood Life, Martha Stewart Weddings, MSN, The New York Post, Bravo, and I could go on and on, but I wanna welcome you today, Bonnie, to the podcast. It's so great to see you. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. I love this podcast. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate your time. So I start each episode with one question, which is, what are you afraid of? Me, myself? Yes, you. Oh, wow. Um, I'm afraid of not raising my children to the way that the, I advise my clients of choosing and dating them. Oh. I want them to be really, really good um, uh, partners. And that's something that I'm afraid of. Wow, I didn't yes. see that one coming. Thanks. Wow, yes. that was a, I didn't expect. Um, <laughs> I want to raise my, my son and my children to be the people that I would have in my own database and encourage my clients to date. Yeah. So I guess all in all, that would be the thing I'm afraid of. Yeah. yeah. How old are your children? Um, well, I am a, uh, when I met my husband, Ken, I became an insta mom. Uh, my oldest always lived with us. Um, and they were my, my, I call her my sister wife, just joking around, but my <laughs> husband's wife is remarried. I didn't break up the marriage. Nobody was mad at me. And uh, <laughs> she has her own modern family. And Tara always lived with us and she's got three children who are three under five. And then we have Samantha. She has a serious boyfriend that she met on a dating app. Oh. And then my husband and I have our almost 15 year old and um, that's it. Those are the kids. Yeah. I, that's a, I can totally relate to that one. Cause mm -hmm. you know, it was like you raise your children you take things from the way you were raised and apply them. Some things work, some things don't, but I, I can totally relate to that. Cause I'm, Oh, you get one chance, right. To do it right. And that's it. And yeah. hopefully they won't need a lot of therapy when they're older. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I believe in therapy. I actually, in my contracts as a matchmaker with clients uh, included is um, two sessions with a um, psychotherapist. That oh, wow can't uh, discuss with me anything because sometimes I bring quality introductions to people and they're just not moving forward. And yeah. there's only so much coaching I can do. Mm. And 
So I bring in uh, this wonderful psychotherapist who's also an adjunct professor at a university in New York. Her name is Dr. Deborah Lieb, and she has a company called Clinical uh, Services of New York or Long Island. And I, I put that in there because sometimes I'll just say, I don't know why, you know, like, I can't say you need, you know, therapy. Sure. So in a kind way, I always include it in the packages, along with the photo shoot, along with the, the interview for the bio and the profile, there is two sessions that they can choose to have. And she, because of the HIPAA laws, cannot tell me what was discussed, sure. but I see a difference. Sure. So, you know, wow. I coach, but I'm not a doctor. And yeah. some things are, you know, from childhood and they really got to work it out. And some choose, I had one client who said, I'm putting a freeze on our contract of matchmaking. I'm just going to continue with Dr. Lieb and oh, wow. work through that stuff. I'll come back. And um, so it's just interesting. Well, that it does make a lot of sense because obviously people have a lot of stuff that they bring along with them to well, from right. one relationship to another. So, huh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's get into our topic today, fear of leaving the relationship. And I feel like this is very, uh, probably even more so relevant now coming out of COVID. I mean, obviously we're still in the pandemic, but we're opening back up. But a year in COVID forced people to be in the same space and reevaluate the relationship. And, and you know, there are all kinds of stats of, of um, divorce rates, people getting out of relationships. But just from your perspective and the clients that you have dealt with and coming out of the pandemic, why do, do you think that there is a fear of getting out of a relationship? Um, you know, there is a fear most of the time of leaving relationships because usually at that point, when you want to leave a relationship, it's because you don't feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. So your ego and your self-esteem isn't high. So there's this old proverb from, you know, the 18th century that says better the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. And the idea behind this is that dealing with a bad person or situation is preferable to something new and unknown and even worse. And mm -hmm. it's all in your head because look, you know, there, there's two kinds of emotions. There's fear and there's love and that's it. And every emotion that you can think of is under fear or love. Mm -hmm. So all the positive emotions come from love and all the negative come from fear. And it's just, you know, people have written about this, whether it's The Course in Miracles or Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And so, you know, fear is a great emotion. You know, it's a big, big emotion and it's scary. And so, you know, you know, I tell people, look, it is, it is, better to like get the person that is bad out of the way to make room for the person that's good. Mm -hmm. And, and you can't, you know, it, it's, it's tough. So I think that's where the fear comes from the fear of the unknown. And, yeah. you know, it, there's, there's also a, even though you're not happy, you're comfortable. Maybe you're repeating a role that you had with somebody in your childhood, um, you know, so whether it was a parent or some kind of trauma um, and, you know, you're repeating, you're trying to fix it, um, you know, it's, it's not happy, but it's comfortable to you. Yeah. 
for yeah. people who have been in relationships, what, five, 10 years, I don't know that the years actually matter, but do you, and when you talk about being uh, comfortable and complacent, what do you think people are holding onto most when outside of just self-esteem and, and, you know, the dynamics of the relationship, what, what else do you think they're holding onto that's holding them back from just making that step? Well, I mean, it's, it's a codependency, mm-hmm. you know, it's like people are feeling worthless. So, you know, they're, they're depending on people just to, you know, to, you know, I don't know. I mean, look, dependent and codependent, dependent, you know, people support one another. Codependent is giving up your and ignoring your own mor- morals to do what the other person wants. You're not making yourself happy. And it's, it's, you know, of course you want to do things to make your other, you know, your partner happy, but it's all, if that's all you're doing and you're giving up your own self, you know, it's not a good thing. Yeah. In your practice in the last year, what, what are some of the things, what are some of the common things that, that you've noticed that have been occurring when it comes to whether or not, or the people asking that question, whether or not they should leave the relationship? Uh, I, I got to tell you, the pandemic has never, I mean, I think being a matchmaker. And it's not just me. I work with a lot of other matchmakers. That's actually my secret sauce. I probably Uh in touch with over 200 matchmakers nationwide, worldwide, you know, across the the pond in London and Israel and Canada in Mexico. I mean, all over the place. And the pandemic was really good for us. I mean, my business tripled. Really? It really did. So, I mean, I got a call from a I deal with a lot of celebrities and I got a call from probably the most successful female celebrity over the last 20 years who also has a production company. And I can't, you can't say who I'm dying to know who. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, I I signed NDAs. I would have no business. I disclosed it actually. Of course. Yeah. Veering off. I mean, I got a call from to tell the truth, which is a TV remade TV show. Yeah. And they said, oh, can you tell us who's the most famous person you set up and we'll put you on the show? And I'm like, I'd have no business. I can't do it. Right. So anyway, but she called up and and she said, I'm calling you. And this is the phone rang. I saw it was a 310 area code. Uh-huh. So I said, I'm Beverly Yes. And I said, hello. She said, Bonnie Winston. I said, speaking. She said, well, this is going to be the most unusual phone call you've ever gotten. And I thought, no, I'm a matchmaker. I've seen some stuff. (laughs) And um, she said, I have my best friend and she's incredible. And you set up another friend of mine who's engaged. And I, and she put me on the phone with her friend and the friend said, I don't want to be on this desert island anymore with my, with this man that I'm married to. And, you know, we had distractions before we had children, we had businesses we could go to, we, you know, but now we're, you know, we're stuck with each other and I don't want to be here anymore. And so I think a lot of people actually did break up and actually got into new relationships um, quicker, quickly, you know, pandemic was a war. And when people go to battle, they, they want a sweetheart. They take a little picture, you know, back in the olden days, you know, they'd have a little picture in a locket or in their pocket or whatever it was of the person they left behind. And, you know, people met and married, you know, war brides, I mean, within a week and they'd get pregnant and they'd have babies and the 
soldiers would come home to, you know, kids they never knew. And I think that the pandemic did that. People realized what's the most important thing. Yeah. Health, health and love. And sometimes we forgot that and it was about money or it was about, you know, chasing other things and being hedonists and having fun. And, you know, I think my business, I mean, my actual motto is I find mates, not just dates. I'm not a dating service. Yeah. I work with, you know, 10 or 12 clients at a time and that's it. And then when they get matched, I take on the next on the waiting list. I'm not a dating service. So it's very serious business for me, the business of love. And I think the pandemic did that to a lot of people. And also like in terms of, you know, dating apps, which can really be, I mean, dating app fatigue is exhausting. And, you know, a lot of my colleagues take over, you know, people, they manage the dating apps for people. They're like, you lay back, you do your thing. And I'm going to, you know, go on as you. And there are people that do that as well, because it is fatiguing and exhausting. It is. Yeah. And I, I I can speak, (laughs) I can speak to that. It is exhausting and it feels like a time suck. And it's just like, what, what is it going to take to find that one person? Like how many coffee dates am I going to have to go on? Or how many people am I going to have to say, nope, I don't think so before you get to the one. Can you speak to like pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, um, in a sense, in regards to, was it easier? Did you find it that people were, were finding it easier or more difficult before the pandemic to ease out of their relationships? And how much time would you have to spend coaching people to find more happiness? Um, I think people are less fearful now. Mm. I do. I think Everything, you know, with, oh my God, the administration of our country, yeah, just everything. I mean, coaching people out of their relationships, um, they, they pretty much come to me when things are done. Um, The fear of maybe going into something new. Yeah. And um, I set up a, a client and with, a, with a, a, a guy I knew from school and he was married for over 20 years and divorced. And he, you know, they went on nine dates, nine dates wow. and there was no kiss. And she really liked oh, him. Lots. Yeah. Nine dates. What? Yeah. And, and I called him up and I said, I have to tell you, you are the front runner. Like I'm, I read it. I'm on team cliff. She's on team cliff. But this isn't a movie. And on New Year's Eve, if you don't have a date, you're going to think of her and run into the street and find her and kiss her. Like this isn't, this isn't Harry Met Sally. Yeah. I'm telling you that I have to fulfill a contract and I really want it to be you. And I'm like being patient, but I have to fulfill a contract. Yeah. And I don't want you to lose out because she's, she's lonely. And she's going to go for the second best. And he said, I understand what you're saying. And thank you for letting me know. But it lit a fire. He he called me today and he goes, thank you. It lit a fire. And sometimes I say, and and it's not with everybody, but I say women fall quicker and men fall harder. And he's so scarred and so scared. And, you know, 
they, they, I think the 12th date, he was like, okay, let me just lay it out for you. And there was no jealousy. And he just told her about this one and that one and the wife and, you know, and they discussed it. And he said, I'm, I'm scared. And she said, okay, I understand. And then she had this weekend away with another guy that I introduced her to. And she got back and she said, I, all I did was, was think about Cliff. Well, you know what I, I said, be vulnerable and tell him, you know, we're all afraid of being vulnerable in love Mm -hmm. and we're vulnerable in so many other areas in our life. Like there's no fear. We'll be vulnerable at work. We'll take a chance. We want this client. We'll do whatever we have to do to get the client or at work to take a chance or an activity. I mean, in a million years, I wouldn't jump out of an airplane, but I have clients that do. And I have a stepdaughter <laughs> that's doing that. Yeah. And there's no fear, but there yeah. was a little fear in her being vulnerable to her boyfriend. Yeah. And we're all a little scared when it comes to be vulnerable with our hearts. And you know what? It's so attractive. The yeah. most attractive thing is to be real and vulnerable and lay yourself out for somebody. And why do you, know, you think we are vulnerable? Like what, what is it that where, where does that fear exist? Like, and what are we afraid of when it comes to our hearts? Obviously a broken heart, but yeah, it was, it's tied into our ego and, and uh, being embarrassed. And there's a yeah. shame thing to it. You know, if you go for a client, and you don't get it. You don't feel like ashamed or like, Oh, but you know, when you lay yourself out for, to somebody and you go, you know what, I'm really scared of like, uh, but I really like you and I have to tell you, and you're so scared. Like if they say, I'm sorry, I don't like you back. You're done. It's yeah. over. And then yeah. you can move on. But if you don't say that to somebody and you feel that way, you can't move on. You're stuck there. Yeah. So it is, so it, it is the bravest thing in the world. And really, you know, there's a lot of fear tied up into it. Yeah. Having to lay yourself you know, out for somebody and, and wear your heart on your sleeve. Yeah. And and not love bomb them because I, I did have another client who I connected. She was a doctor. She runs four clinics in, in New York, in Brooklyn. And we, I connected her to another matchmakers um, client who lived in Florida and he was love bombing her. I mean, Mm. every day he was like, obsessing on her and he invited her to Florida and she was going and he said, well, one day I have a golf tournament and I got you a spa day and he put her in a hotel. I mean, what a gentleman, what a gentleman, right? Seemingly. Mm. Right. They were talking for three weeks, two days before he came up with an excuse and he canceled. And, you know, I was livid and he had an answer to me. Yeah. Like he never spoke to me, but he had an answer to me. Yeah. And that's very rare. That's very rare where I have to do that. But I mean, you see the, sometimes people love bomb and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking yeah. about when you just really care for somebody and you, you know, you want them to move forward. So anyway, last night I got my happy text and I'm going to find it and read it. Yes, please. I'm it because I'm just so excited. <laughs> Hi, Bonnie. I just tried to call you, but it's not urgent. It's fair to say at this point that Cliff is totally my boyfriend <gasps> and we don't want to see anyone else. So excited. I am so grateful to you. Let's discuss. I'm eager to share everything with you. 
And that came in last night at 627. I love it. And let me tell you, they had 14 dates. That's what? crazy. I, I mean, she's patient. She's well, patient than most. She's patient. And then she even said to him, you know, you, you know, you asked me out last weekend and, you know, you know, I was with someone else and all I did was think about you. And he was, I wow. think, you know, no, like there were no games. She just yes. wasn't able to move on. And I said, and, and we, and I spoke to him today, you know, and I said to him, it reminded me of that movie with, um, what was his name? Bradley Cooper and yes. Jennifer Jones. Um, the, play, the playbook. Oh, the um, playbook. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yes. And there's, and his name is Pat. And in the movie, you know, at the end, he says to her, I, I loved you. I just didn't know it. I got stuck, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, this guy was stuck with his own old fears and getting hurt again. He was stuck and yeah. she dated other people, but she waited for him and she let him know. Yeah. And yeah. So and, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, that's very it's real. real. It is. It is real. And, uh, but that's, I think, why I, I just guess the fear part comes from, right, just opening yourself up completely. Single socks are so annoying, aren't they? Especially when you're sure you put two socks together in the wash, only to find one of them has pieced out somewhere in between the washing and drying cycle. But your problems are now solved with Soulmate Socks. They are magnetic socks that stay together in the laundry so you're never left with lost and single socks. Knitted from bamboo, they are the softest socks you'll have in your drawer. They're antifungal, antimicrobial, and they're breathable. So when you need your socks to stay together, grab a pair of Soulmate Socks where every sock has a soulmate. Shop online today at soulmatesocks.com. That's S-O-L-E-M-A-T-E-S-O-X.com. So I want to go back for a minute and you talk a little bit about um, codependency and codependent relationships. And obviously there are different types of relationships. Codependent ones, ones where there is um, abuse and then ones where there isn't abuse. It's just people are just, just afraid of hurting someone, people who are empaths. Um, so when it comes to relationships where um, there is codependency, can you talk about the difficulty of leaving a relationship where there is codependency and there is abuse, whether it is psychological abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse? Talk through just the difficulty of, of leaving those kinds of relationships and, and what people may be experiencing when they're deciding whether or not they stay. You have to walk away when it's any sort of abuse. You have mm -hmm. to walk away. Um, not, you know, if if you feel a person is actually trying to help you for a really good reason, a positive reason, and your feelings are hurt, you have to put that aside. You know, if they, whatever it is, they're they're criticizing that feels like abuse, and it could be um, smoking. So I met my husband and he smoked a pack of cigarettes a day and there was a happy hour place he used to go to and he would get two white wines for the price of one and he would do it twice. And that's four glasses of white wine. Guess what? Four and a half glasses is a bottle. Yeah. And I knew him for five days and he's like, do you want a key? And you want to be my girlfriend? Or you don't want to go. And I'm like, Whoa. no. 
<laughs> and he's like, why? I said, because I am not going out with the, with an addict. You're an addict. You smoke a pack a day. You're going to like, I'm going to finally like my whole life wait to meet my guy. And like, you're going to get cancer and like you drink too much. Yeah. He said, I'll quit. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. He quit. He quit. And I think, I mean, he still likes a cigar. I'm not going to lie. He likes a cigar. He smokes a cigar on Sundays, even two cigars on Sundays. Um, and he drink, we got all the liquor out of the house and he, um, you know, like sometimes we go out and we have wine or once, but it's, you know, he was really, I feel drinking and smoking too much. And I didn't do it to hurt him. I didn't criticize it to hurt him. I did it just because I didn't want to be with somebody that I could lose, you know, him to yeah. health, fall yeah. in love with something like that. I didn't say to him, oh my God, you're, you're I didn't hurt him. I did it in a kind way. Mm -hmm. And also a, a way with boundaries. Like, so I think if someone is telling you something for your own good, and the good of their relationship, that's not abuse. Right. We all know when we're being abused. We're not, you know, we're not stupid. We know when yeah. someone's saying something abusive to us right. to make themselves feel better, or it's just how they're, you know, made. It's just yeah. how their makeup. Yeah. And you, you have to walk away from that. Yeah. And I think in situations uh, where they're narcissist involved, I mean, I can speak to this because I was in a relationship with one. It's a little more difficult um, and not, not more difficult. It takes a little bit more time to recognize what's happening. And there are warning signs and it, it's really important to pay attention to the warning signs. So can you talk a little bit about what some of the warning signs are in the relationships that you absolutely need to leave outside of just physical abuse, obviously, but some of the other things that aren't, aren't always obvious on the surface, but over time you start to realize and notice. Yeah. So everything's about them. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you know, talk about a narcissist, every yeah. single thing is about them. So I set a client up with, look, it's easier for me to set a client up and, you know, just walk away but this was, she was telling me, because I stay in touch with them. I want to make sure, you know, my clients have healthy relationships. And also when they get in, like the woman that wrote to me last night about Cliff, I said to her, I didn't say to her, you're done. I said, okay, great. You're on a freeze because I'm going to check back in with her and make sure, you know, that they're still going out in a month or two. Right. Yeah. So, um, I set a woman up and she told me a story how they were, they went to the beach and she always liked to read this one section of the New York times called the style section. And I know the style section mm -hmm. and it's like, you can get through it in 10 minutes and they went to the beach and as he was swimming, she picked up the style section and she started to read and he came out of the water and he grabbed the paper away from her. And he said, I was swimming. Like she huh. should not have, she should right. have been watching him every stroke. Right. Like because he was supposedly a good swimmer, but she had seen him swim. I mean, it wasn't the first time she ever, right. you know, and he just couldn't stand 
her attention being anywhere mm-hmm. else except on him. And I said to her, I know why you're telling me the story. And she said, okay. I said, we gotta, we gotta get back in. We're gonna set you up with other people, but you have to stop seeing him yeah. because their physical chemistry was off the hook. And I said, you have to stop seeing him. You have to, because yeah. no one else is going to get a chance because, you know, I mean, I talk about it. Brides Magazine had interviewed me two weeks ago as an expert on karmic relationships. Mm. And karmic relationships are life lessons. They're not meant to work out. They're meant to teach you something. Yes. And yeah. so, you know, uh, I think that that was just meant to teach her something. You know, she said she had a narcissistic father. Yeah. And so when I introduced her to this guy, he didn't look like her father. He wasn't even the same faith or the same race, but there was something that she was trying to fix yeah. that she found in that guy that she was never going to fix. Right. <laughs> was never going to fix it. Right. And she was attracted to him because she wanted to fix it. And it felt, uh, it felt, like comfortable familiar familiar thank yeah. you yes yeah. that's the word, so familiar yeah so you know i mean i'm happy to say she was engaged she was supposed to get married and then the pandemic hit and she wasn't one of those people that was going to get married in a pandemic oh god so good they got married about two weeks ago which is oh nice. wow florida. Oh. and like in florida i'm like i think they they didn't even know there was a pandemic. Like, I think they closed down for like two weeks. <laughs> they pretended there wasn't one. <laughs> it was like, Florida. It was like, what? what are you about? Oh my gosh. What? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it, it's very fulfilling what I do, but fear is involved in a lot of the, um, you know, the relationships. And that's why, like I said, I do have, a doctor attached to my contracts. I do recognize that people think that they're ready for relationships and they're really not. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, another difficulty of leaving a relationship is what's, what will happen to your children? How will the children be damaged and or affected? And I've heard so many people say, and, and I was in the same boat until I realized I'm hurting them more by staying in the relationship because they don't see love and they don't see a, a healthy um, interaction and, and it's absent of love. But I think I've heard so many people say, well, I don't wanna mess up my children. So I'm just gonna stay. And that's horrible. It, it so, is. It is. And, and, you know, I get it. And it's a great excuse. (laughs) Yeah. I get you not wanting to hurt them initially. I mean, my husband was divorced Mm. and he said the, the saddest moment of his life was watching my oldest stepdaughter in the therapist, family therapist office, not wanting to talk and under a desk. I feel like crying crawled up under a desk you know, just um, not wanting to talk and just curled up in a ball. And they knew that it was hurtful and, but they knew they had to do it yeah. because you say what they're going to mimic those, that relationship when they get older yep. and they're such wonderful parents and we all co-parent. I mean, you know, I call her like jokingly, my sister wife, and she was here on July 4th with her husband, her stepdaughter my two stepdaughters, one 
ex one brother-in-law, you know, three grandkids, one other stepdaughter. I mean, you know, like I said, you know, it's, you want to do something for the kids, break up and then co-parent in an amicable way. Sure, That's sure. the healthy thing to do. Right. And yes. And it's hard, so hard and so much fear of hurting your children, but is it better that they should, like you say, what you, you were smart, watch a loveless union and copy it when they get older. Yeah. Cause that's familiar to them. No, absolutely. Yeah, you've got to break the cycle. You know, Bonnie, I think this is also a very important conversation for teens. Um, mm -hmm. My daughter is, uh, she's going into ninth grade, but she told me that in sixth and seventh grade, their counselors came to their class and had a conversation with them about what healthy relationships look like. And because they obviously, yeah. you know, realize that kids are starting to date at 13 and 14, even 12 years old. And, um, and, and they thought, and, and I am so appreciative of this because I, I didn't have that when I was in school. Nobody came to my class and said, this is what a healthy relationship looks like, whether yeah. it's a friend relationship or, you know, or, or a, a significant other, a partner relationship, what, whatever the relationship is. This is what unhealthy looks like. This is what healthy looks like. And this is when you should be okay with walking away. And they said to the kids, you don't have to be friends with everybody. And everybody will not treat you the way you should be treated. And it's okay to walk away from those relationships. But I thought that was so important and such a great foundation for building what healthy relationships look like. And, you know, so many teens get into these relationships that are just bad and they just stay in them. So this is so important, I think, for, for teens as well to understand that they have their own power and their own strength and their own voice and they can get out and there's no That's reason they should stay. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. You know, there's a young adult book. It's called the the fear of being uh, the fear of being a, the perk of being a wallflower. Did you ever mm, hear? That? I haven't the, heard of that. A young adult book. It, my favorite favorite quote is, "We accept the love we think we deserve." Ah, oh, yeah. That's really what it's down to. Comes down to, we accept the love we think we deserve. Wow. So you know, it's. Um, yeah, it's why we all end up where we are whenever we are there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like, I, you know, we're doing the work on ourselves is just as important <laughs> going into relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What do you think um, when it comes to just figuring out whether or not you should stay, what are some of the the, the, the steps to getting to that point of just being brave enough to take the steps to get out of a relationship? Well, I think you should, you know, I, I think you, it's just like diving into a pool. You mm. just have to do it. You just have to go for it. You just have to, the longer you stay, you know, the more, it's just not going to get better. I mean, you know, you, you can't stay. I'm not, look, there's also, I, I, you know, most of the people that I represent, most of my clients have, are women and involved men. And I know that sounds odd because most matchmakers take on men as paying clients. What does and that mean? Evolved men. Evolved. I, I, I sort of can tell the difference if a guy, what a guy if he's a modelizer, if he only is uh, there for a woman's looks 
and listen, you know, I a hundred percent think there should be chemistry because when there's chemistry, you know, you can overlook a lot of crap. You can. And, you know, when there's no chemistry at all, everything kind of bothers you. So you want chemistry. It's important in relationships. But um, I can tell when men come to me, like I had a guy who seemed very evolved and he, he was just a, uh, he was a, a sociopath. Well, a lot of, by the way, billionaires are sociopaths. I mean, how do you become a billionaire from nothing, self-made? Right. I totally believe that. Yeah, you, you're you're just the carnage on the way up is unbelievable who they have to step on and what they have to do to get there. Yeah. So what all of a sudden they're going to be this nice guy, you know, and I think he duped me. And I think and I was glad to take his money. It was a lot of money. And <laughs> I it, he he would say to me, he, I'd say to him, oh, my God, wait till you meet, you know, Chrissy. She's unbelievable. Like, oh, and he'd say and he'd take her out. And he'd say, mm, Chrissy was fat. I'd say, fat? What? She looks like Miss Universe. Yeah, she's yeah. kind of fat. I don't know. And so I'd say, oh my God, okay. And then I'd fix him up with another girl and another girl. Here's Jill and here's Susan and here's Wanda. And it, it was nonstop. I've never set up a man with so many women. It was a revolving door. And what I found out was he was sleeping with half of them. And then Chrissy called me four months later, hysterical. I said, what happened? She said, we broke up. And I, I, re- I took all my might not to go, what? You, you what had you a mean? second date with him? He thought you were fat. Like what? Yeah. But I mean, he just didn't want me to know because the revolving door would stop. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to make him happy. Right. I have never, I mean, in four months, I set him up with over 30 women. And what? And one was more gorgeous than the next. And then I finally said to him, you know, I'm not a dating service. You're treating me like a dating service. And he was like, nah, you're just not giving me quality women. I'm not, not quality women. I'm fixing up with dentists, lawyers, doctors, some models, you know, but not every, I mean, of course I was giving him quality women and he just was not an evolved man. I mean, yeah, I. He wasn't ready. For the commitment, obviously. He, he was married three times. Oh my gosh. I should have known. But you know, then like everybody is different. Everybody, every one of my clients is different. So I have a brother-in-law who's on his third marriage, but I'm telling you, he's super normal and great yeah. because his first wife, I call her a starter wife because um, he was so intelligent. He was skipping grades. Oh, so, uh-huh. So when he got to his Ivy League school at 16, he was like, what? He's 16. He doesn't drive. He can't drink. You know, who does he even relate to? And um, so when he got married, it was like his first girlfriend he ever had. So like, how long was that going to last? Right. And then the second wife, it was a 12-year relationship. And then they broke up. Like the first didn't even count. And now he's on his third wife and they've been together 23 years. Yeah. I pretty much think it's for life. So sometimes like is it really just depends on the person. Sure. Like I don't know if that's really, you know, so so he gave me this whole speech and he was a victim and a whole thing. But he wasn't. He was just a he was just a sociopath. Oh gosh. Lord, yeah. it sounds like, like it. Right? Like those really super successful guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. Those are the worst. Because sometimes they're like not even just a sociopath. They're a combination of a sociopath, a psychopath, and a narcissist. And that is a bad cocktail. That is really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And to some women, that's catnip, you know? I don't understand why. Then they have their own issues. Of course. That's scary. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But also, they suck you in initially. They know how to hide it. Yeah. Right. And then you get hooked on the sex, you know? And then- and I tell people that too. I'm like, on a scale of one to 10, if you see somebody and the bells are going off and your heart is fluttering and you're like, you're right. You can't think about anything else. And oh my gosh, like this, per- you know what that is on the scale of one to 10, you know what that 10 is? Hmm. Infatuation. <laughs> the devil in disguise. Uh. Go for the nine. Like your grandmother was right. Yeah. Go for the nine. Like, I, I love my husband, but I know he loves me a smidge more, <laughs> just a smidge. And that's a good place to be in though. You I know? Do. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice place to be. And I love him too. I think he's adorable. And we, we do goofy things and we get along and we, we, we get along really well. We're good partners. Yeah. And, I've had the other and you can't function. I've I had know. the 10 and you can't function. It's not healthy. Yeah. So yeah. go for the eight or the nine, you know? Yeah. It, it's a better place to be. And so like that, heart, that heart fluttering and all that stuff that you, right? Like that, you, it, it's uncomfortable. It's actually uncomfortable. It's like being on a roller coaster. Right. Right. Because it's so emotional, right? Yeah. 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 So for somebody who is an empath and who is really takes on other people's feelings and is afraid of hurting somebody's feelings, I feel like there are some relationships where there are certain people who who they know they need to get out, but they're not going to be the one to do it. They're going to wait for the other person to, right. to, 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 you know, make the decision for them or drop the hammer. So if, if there is a, a relationship, um, with somebody like that, what would be your advice to them? I mean, obviously it's get out, but how do you guide them through that process if they they just don't feel like they can actually do it? It sort of can't guide them. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't. That's why I send them to therapists because yeah. I'm not a therapist. I just, they have to be ready to go. They have to have yeah. like the straw that broke the camel's back almost. Like how many times can, you know, they, you know, can they just like want to stay not to rock the boat? I mean, my mother's, you know, a nurse, so she never wanted to rock the boat and, and, you know, she never fought. And I was kind of felt bad. Like she was in love with my father when he died, she was, she got remarried to another great guy, but like, she never fought back, you know, like she just want, she just wanted to make everybody happy. Mm. And sometimes a client will come to me and they'll say like, I just want to be happy. And I'm like, something wrong with you? They're like, what do you mean? (laughs) I go like, it's not possible to be happy 24 hours a day. Like the only person that should be like, make a list of 15 things that they want in a relationship and actually think they're going to get all 15 things. The only person that makes a 15 list thing is, is like a toddler at, you know, Macy's sitting on Santa's lap. Like that's just not what normal adult people in reality think. 
Right. And you have to like sort of tell them right from the start, like this, we have to be realistic in our expectations. I want you to fall in love and I want you to have a great partner in life, but you can't, you got to cross off some things on this list. This is ridiculous. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Well, I, as we, as we come to an end, I would love to know what other pieces of pieces of advice you would give somebody right now listening who may be afraid to get, knowing they have to get out of the relationship and knowing what they need to do, but are afraid to do it. What else would you tell them? Well, there are ways to meet people. You're going to be better off when you're out of your current situation. You, there are options. It's, you, you can connect with people online, even though, um, you know, you, you know, it can get monotonous. I would tell you to clear the path for the wrong person and the right person will come along. I had a 70 year old woman and two other matchmakers turned her down. She is 70 years old. She is vivacious. She laughs. She is charming. I, I can't, I love her. I can't stop laughing with her. She's fabulous. Mm-hmm. She's intelligent. She was a, um, a lecturer at the, uh, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. She has three MBAs. She's really bright, yeah. uh, but she's not snobby at all. And because of her age, three, you know, a couple of matchmakers turned her down and she came to me and I have to tell you, I didn't get her boyfriend. I got her two boyfriends. And there is love in abundance. And she called me up and she goes, I have a problem. I said, it's not a problem. She goes, no, I have a problem. I said, I know your problem. You don't know if it should be Brian or Jeremy. I know your problem. And, and she's like, I never thought this would happen. I'm like, it's great. May the best man win. Okay. You don't have to choose one now. Just may the best man win. And she was 70 and she really thought she was over the hill. And I'm wow. telling you, there's love in abundance there is not just one person for one person. There are me- you can fall in love many times in your life. And I know with me, I have a free database. And although I advocate for my paying clients, I do need a pool of people, both men and women, to you know go into to match my paying clients with. Yeah. Most matchmakers have a free database. And if you just Google, you know, if you're in New York, you know, you can Google me, Bonnie Winston matchmaker or in LA or whatever. I work nationwide or in a town you're in, Midwest, Midwest matchmakers, uh, New England matchmakers, everybody, I'm telling you, Canadian, Montreal matchmakers, um, you know, nationwide, we're out there and we need, you know, people to put in our database. Now, as a disclaimer, it does not guarantee right. a match, but there, this is a new hopeful way of, of meeting people or go on something called Clubhouse, which is a, yep. a um, dating app. And my friend Carmelia Ray and I run singles rooms on Friday nights and you can meet people there. Um, if you're on dating apps, um, you know, move it along, like get off the, you know, back and forth and back and forth. Hey, just get off it. Just say, Hey, let, you know, let's get off this and have a, a zoom date or like meet, you know, for yeah. like coffee or whatever it is like enough with the back and the forth and the back and the forth because so exhausting. 
it's exhausting. And a lot of those people are on for sport. They're married mm. or whatever. Um, just get a, just immediately push it off and get onto a phone call. Yeah. I love it. Well, so, two things that you've said that really um, stand out. One, clear the path for the wrong person so, so the right person will come along. And yeah. we accept the love that we think we deserve. I love those two things. So there yeah. is happiness. There is more happiness and love. And not just love, but joyful um, interactions with other people and joyful relationships and, and healthy relationships. So, yeah, never be afraid to leave the relationship because... There, there are people like you out there who are waiting to set people up in happier relationships. So look at you. I can't, you're gorgeous. Thank I mean, you. I, I'm telling you, I'm going to get in touch with you after this podcast. Okay. Because, yeah, I would love it. I'm finally ready. Yes. Oh, you're yes. Gorgeous. Let's do it. You All right. Him. Well, we're, we're going to talk outside of this, but for now, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today, Bonnie. This has been so fantastic and such a rich conversation. And, um, you know, it's all about saying fuck you to fear. So get over the fear and get out of that bad relationship. You guys, there's more love and happiness out there. And Bonnie's waiting to help you. So thank you, Bonnie, for joining us today. And thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to any of our other episodes in season one or season two. I will have a link to Bonnie's website in the description of this particular episode. And in the meantime, have a great day. And remember this, you guys, we accept the love we think we deserve. Have a great day. We will see you next time on Fuck Fear. Normally, this would be the time I would talk about what is coming up for the next episode. Well, I am excited to say this episode wraps season two and it feels so fantastic to say we are wrapping season two, not only wrapping season two, but coming back with season three. This has been such an amazing journey, and I have to thank each of you for listening. I have to thank you for continuing to come back every week to listen to the new episodes. I have to thank our new listeners, and I have to thank those of you that, who have shared this podcast with your friends, with your family, and people that you know. I hope it has been thought-provoking, but beyond that, really seriously, I hope these episodes and just the podcast in general has given you the bravery and the courage to say fuck you to your fears. And I hope that these episodes have inspired you. If not all of them, at least one of them has inspired you to make a life changing decision. Something incredible happened from one of the episodes, one of our recent episodes, Fear of Getting Vaccinated. A listener who found the podcast let us know that because of that particular episode, she scheduled her appointment to get her first Pfizer shot. And she said that the episode changed her mind, changed her life, and it encouraged her to not only get the shot, but she felt more she felt more informed about the vaccine based on science and evidence and also facts and it encouraged her to get her shot and that just it makes me very emotional because later that day I shared it with my daughter and my daughter said mommy mama you guys just saved a life and oh my god 
it was a moment I had no words. And you guys know me. It's not often I have no words. That moment stopped me and that moment moved me and it made me realize the bigger work that this podcast is and the bigger work that I'm trying to 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 do and and um just how this podcast came about was from a place of trauma and I wanted to share with others my experience in hopes that others would get to a place in their lives where they were tired of being scared of a particular thing. And so I hope that this podcast has made that difference in your life where you've gotten to the point before you were tired of being scared. I hope it has been preemptive and I hope it's encouraged you to be proactive in not only conquering your fears, but doing the thing anyway and going through with it. So I thank you guys so much. I want to thank my team, my amazing editor, my graphic designer, Trevor Smith, Lydia Garcia, and my fantastic, phenomenal, creative, intelligent cousin who produced the music. Johnny, I love you. Um, I want to thank you guys for staying along with me every week, putting these episodes together. Um, the graphics, the artwork, all of it. And my daughter who designed the artwork. I want to thank her too, because I told her what colors I liked. And I told her uh, the, the the icon, the image that I wanted to go along with the col- colors was a butterfly. And she sat down and drew it in 20 minutes. She's amazing. And her talents are God given. So I just love her and appreciate her sharing her talents with us. So we are coming back with season three at the, at the end of October. I hope you will come back. I'm going to take just a short break. I'm not going to take too much time because I don't want to lose um, the motivation and the momentum of what this is and this work because this work is is big and um, and I want to make sure that it continues. So we're coming back at the end of the month and the first episode to kick off season three is fear of death. I know that feels heavy, doesn't it? It's something we all have to face. I'm not excited about facing it, <laughs> but um, we're going to talk about it. And it, I think you will find it very interesting because there are lots of things that I learned from this episode that I did not know before. So be sure to come back and listen to our season opener, Fear of Death. But we, we're going to conquer a lot more fears in season three, fear of food, Um fear of being a whistleblower which I'm really excited about that one and um, a whole lot more fears so I would love for you guys to leave a comment leave um, I I would love for you to give it five stars and I would love a review find me um, wherever you get your podcasts find me at my website katenya.com c-a-t-e-n-y-a be sure to share this podcast and the episodes with people that you love and people who you know are afraid and have a fear of whatever it is this is something they need to listen to and I know that for sure (laughs) 
And also, don't forget to shop our boutique. We have some fantastic finds, all curated by me. Some of the um, items in the shop, in the boutique, are very personalized. And um, it, it has also given me a chance to collaborate some with some of my favorite artists and some of my favorite makers. So be sure to pop into the boutique and grab something, a uh, piece of merch, so that you can show everybody else how you feel about fear. You can visit, again, my website, which also you can find our boutique at Katenia.com. That's C-A-T-E-N-Y-A.com. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this particular episode, for joining the season, for finding the podcast. Again, be sure to share with people that you love. And we'll see you soon coming back with season three at the end of October. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you soon.